You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Happy Thanksgiving. Today we're going to continue our series on Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 10. We're going to see what's going on behind the scenes and some things we should be thankful for. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. I invite you this morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, to turn to Daniel chapter 10. I want to continue through the book of Daniel. We'll probably finish it up next week. But uh, I think there's a good message in here that applies to our context today, this Thanksgiving Sunday. I'm going to share with y'all a a movie that I recently watched, and I forgot how much I enjoyed it. It's a baseball movie. Do y'all like sports movies? No, Ashley probably does. Uh, I like true life stories, and this is a, a story about the Oakland A's. It's called Moneyball. In the early 2000s, the Oakland A's, they were faced with a really hard decision. They just didn't have a big budget. And, and they were losing players. And the team's general manager, Billy Bean, he comes up with this ingenious idea. And with the help of a young man from an Ivy League school, he comes up with a pattern. And he doesn't care about who plays what bases or anything like that or what position they grew up with. He only cares about studying their statistics and getting people on base more than they're not. It was a big, long deal, and his process actually worked. And the Oakland A's went on having a 20-game winning streak, and they almost made it to the World Series. His pattern was adopted by the Boston Red Sox, and many give them credit because of his system is why the curse of the Bambino was broken and why the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. But I find that so interesting because everybody watching the Oakland A's that year, they were just going to the game. They were enjoying their hot dog. They were enjoying the game. They were enjoying seeing their winning team, just like we are LSU. Isn't that great? Surely I'll get an amen over that. But here's the truth. Nobody knew what was going on behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, there was great turmoil. Behind the scenes, there was great fighting. There was a a great big fight between the the manager and the coach. There's always something going on behind the scenes. There's things we see and things we don't see. Whether it's in a sports game or you go to a, a, a concert, a Broadway play maybe, there's something going on behind the curtain that we can't see. And I want to share with you today, Daniel 10 offers us a glimpse into what's happening behind the scenes. In a spiritual world, there's a spiritual world that we can't even imagine. And Daniel 10 is a place where we kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of what's happening behind the scenes. We have been all through Daniel, all from Daniel chapter 1 since he was brought over as a young teenager. He was brought over in chapter 1 and he refused to defile himself. He was faithful to God. We saw his friends in the fiery furnace. We've seen him uh, with the handwriting on the wall. We've seen him in the lines den. We've seen him go through all sorts of things. And right here in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is near the end of his life. Daniel's chapter 10, 11, and 12, in my opinion, should really be one chapter. They all are together. But Daniel chapter 10 is an introduction to Daniel's last vision. And I'm going to go through it this morning, like I I did a few weeks ago, and I'm going to go through it, the passage, and then I'm going to share some application truths that we can take with us this day. So uh, keep this in mind. Daniel is about 90 years old now. He's been in Babylon his whole life. 
This is, I think, the fourth king he's under now. And change is still happening around him. But God's not done with him yet. So let's start in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message. It had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th month, 24th day of the first month, as I was beside, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, then he goes into to what he sees. But these first few verses tells us Daniel's state. It tells us Daniel's age because now he's, got, he's under the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. We see that Daniel is in mourning. Very old. God's came through on Jeremiah's prophecy. This 70 years has been completed. So we ask ourselves the question, why is he mourning? I mean, you would think he would be rejoicing. You would actually think that he would be on his way back to back to the Holy Land. But Daniel stays put and likely, likely he's he's mourning because only a few of the exiles have returned. You could cross reference this in the book of Ezra in Ezra chapter one. When the exiles start to go back, you see that that happens in the first year of King Cyrus. So now we're three years into this and not many people have went back. And that's probably why Daniel's upset. Daniel practices self-denial here, even in his old age for three weeks. And this is different. This is different than a traditional fast because he says that he eats no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself. So he just abstains himself. He gives himself a pattern of self-denial in a period of praying and seeking God's face in his morning. So then we go into a little bit of his vision in verse 5. It says, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. And no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Imagine Daniel, 90 years old. He's been denying himself food for 21 days. So I imagine he was weak. He was tired. So we got to ask ourselves this question today is, who is this glorious man? A few weeks ago, I introduced the term of theophany. And I'll share this with you. Many scholars believe that this glorious man, this person, to be the pre-incarnate Jesus. Why would scholars think this? It does sound almost identical to John the Revelator's vision in Revelation chapter 1, 12 through verse 16. It's also almost just like Paul's encounter on the Damascus Road. It's interesting, the other men, the other men with him just fled the scene, leaving Daniel there by himself. 
Now, I'll be honest with you this morning. There's arguments on both sides, and I don't know whether it was Jesus or not, but let me just share this with you going forward. Whether it's Jesus or not, one thing is for sure. You can't expect to hear from Jesus if you flee from his presence. This was true of Paul on the Damascus Road. It's true of Daniel, and it's true of us here today. If you want to hear from Jesus, we need to run to him, not away from him. Jesus wants to reveal great things to us. Jesus wants to be there to comfort us. He wants to be there to lift us up. But too often, the the men of God run away from God. And we go down in the last few verses and we see the introduction to Daniel's last vision. Verse 10, it says, Suddenly, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel... Man greatly beloved. I think in some other translations it might be greatly esteemed. But I would focus on beloved this morning. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness Of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me except these, except Michael. No one upholds me against these, excuse me, except Michael, your prince. So, I love how the angel here, just from the beginning, I love how the angel tells him in verse 11 to stand up. Stand upright, Daniel. I know you're old. Verse 19, he says, be strong. In essence, he's saying to Daniel, Daniel, you're not done yet. I know you're old. I know you've been faithful. But I've still got something else to show you. You're not done yet. Church, it's a reminder for us today. There is no retirement in God's service. It doesn't matter if you're nine years old, if you're 90 years old, if you're at the end or you're at the beginning, it's time to get up. It's time to be strong. In this, we see that the the angel told him that he was heard on day one. You were heard on day one, but I was held up. So who would hold an angel up? And the answer is these princes. We've read about kings. But there's something else going on here behind the scenes. These princes are angelic beings. 
Michael is an archangel. And in verse 21, he refers to Michael as being your prince, the prince of Daniel's people. And he's fighting against other princes. This shows us here that angels are concerned in the acts of men. It also shows us that, that angels are absolutely real and that there's an evil prince and there's God, God, evil princes and godly princes. There's demons and there's angels and there is a war raging against them both. And I believe that's not stopped. I think about this. It's been said, and I can't remember who said it or I'd give him credit for it. But it's been said that when God wants to judge a nation, He gives them wicked leaders. But I believe Daniel 10 offers an insight that evil leaders do arise. But maybe that's just because God calls His angels away from battle. There's an important truth in that section. When we look at this kind of stuff going on behind the scenes, it shows us that we should pray for our nation without ceasing. Because there's a very real possibility that America has its own prince. And when a nation fails, it's likely simply because God says, okay, if you don't want me fighting for you, America, if you don't want me fighting for you, Israel, then I'll just pull my angels away. And then it goes into Daniel's last vision in chapters 11 and 12. And what's important for next week as we get ready to wrap it all up is that this vision refers to the latter days of what's to come. That's in verse 14. It's an interesting story and it's an interesting thing to share on Thanksgiving. So what can we take from this? What can we take from this to apply it to our lives this Thanksgiving Sunday? I think one overwhelming truth this morning, one overwhelming truth when we read this, we should realize and be thankful that God hears our prayers. Even in our morning even when it seems like God is not listening, even when we're scratching our heads, this passage shows us He is listening. As the text says that, that Daniel was heard on day one in church, I want to tell you that God hears you on day one as well. I love this week. I'm so excited about this week. And it's always been this way for me. I always associate Thanksgiving with food, of course. But I also associate it with a time to take it easy. A time to have a break. This week, I intend to finally get some time to deer hunt. I intend to finally get some more time with my family. It's going to be a time of Thanksgiving. It's going to be a time of rest. But church, let me just tell you something. There should be no break. No break in the prayer life of the saints. One pastor said this, Persistence is to prayer as wet is to water. Don't stop praying until the answer is confirmed. Don't you stop praying. Pray for your country. Pray for the son or daughter you have. Even when it seems like all hope is lost, don't you stop praying because God's still listening. The answer for Daniel could have came on day 22 or day 20, but Daniel didn't stop. He kept on praying. I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard from adults whose moms and dads prayed until they died. They literally, they never stopped coming to the altar. They never stopped praying until the answer was confirmed. They kept on praying. And then the husband, the wife, the son or daughter, maybe way on later in life, 
come to faith in Christ. Church, there's no, there's no break in the prayer life of the saints. God's still listening. And we don't know why. We don't know why it takes, seems to take forever for God to answer our prayers. In this case, we do know why. In this case, the angel was held up because of spiritual warfare. And that brings me to point number two. We're getting to be in the Christmas season and we're going to sing a whole lot about angels. Got an angel on top of our Christmas tree already. Don't crucify me. We put it out before Thanksgiving. I've got two kids. We couldn't wait. But look, angels are real. But here's the thing. Angels are more than just pretty winged creatures. Angels are warriors. Spiritual warfare is real. And let me tell you something. We should be thankful that God answers our prayers. But we should be thankful that we don't have to do spiritual warfare alone. Church, I'm telling you, I believe with all of my being, one thing that has never changed and will not change until Christ comes back and sets it all is that there is a battle going on behind the scenes that we can't ever see. One day we'll have a better picture of it. The Apostle Paul hit on this truth in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to ask you to turn there this morning. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is what Paul, as he gets ready to close his letter to the Ephesians. And it's a passage that that most of you know. But after having read all of that, after Daniel sees this and after he tells him that there's princes fighting, now we can see this in a new light. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, princes, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, there is absolutely real spiritual warfare going on. It was going on in Daniel's time. It was going on in Jesus' time. It was going on in the Ephesians' time. And I'm telling you, church, it's going on in today's time. Now look in verse 14. And I didn't even notice this till this morning. Do you remember what the angel told Daniel? Even in his old age, what did the the angel tell Daniel? He said, Daniel, stand up. And look what Paul tells the Ephesians. He says, stand. Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, this Thanksgiving, man, I am thankful that I don't have my truth or your truth. I have the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'm thankful that I get to fight this battle because I have the righteousness. And it's not in the blood of Kevin Goodman, it's in the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for that. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me tell you something, I'm thankful for the gospel. I'm thankful for the peace that Jesus Brings. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. Aren't you thankful for salvation today? Man, this Thanksgiving, there is nothing. There is no dart the wicked one can throw at me that I'm not going to be able to withstand because of that helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Aren't you thankful? Everybody in this place has access to the Word of God. Aren't you thankful for this? Well, church, I just want to encourage you to stand up. 
to stand up and then get in the fight. We'll never know. We'll never know this side of heaven, the battles that are being fought right now on our behalf. But I'll tell you, I believe there's very real spiritual battles happening right now behind the scenes. You know, I will tell you, I believe right now this morning during the invitation, we'll give an invitation and there will be two forces pulling at some individuals today. I know it because I've had it happen to me several times, not just once. There was a, a, a battle waging against me to give my heart to Jesus. My heart felt like it was going to pump out of my chest and it was nothing wrong with my heart. It was something wrong with my spirit. I had one thing drawing me to the altar and something else saying, Kevin, hold back. And I want to tell you, every invitation in every church this morning, the demons are trying to keep God's kingdom from growing. But guess what? The demons can't win unless you just give up. Oh, church, I just want to tell you, if you feel God's Holy Spirit nudging you to move this morning, you'll likely, you'll likely feel another force trying to keep you in place. I felt like that giving my heart to Jesus. But I'll tell you something else. I felt, I felt a spiritual warfare going on in my heart, surrendering to ministry that I've never felt another time in my life. And sometimes you just got to get to the point, like Paul told the Ephesians and like this angel told Daniel, sometimes you just got to stand up and say, no devil, you're not going to win this battle. I've got God's Holy Spirit. And I'm going where He leads. Don't give in. Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the winning team. And the last truth I'll share with you from this passage this morning, and I think it's just such a, a great truth to leave with, is that we should be thankful that we're loved. Two times in this passage that we read this morning, in Daniel chapter 10, He told Daniel to stand up. But two times in verse 11, in verse 19, he affirmed to Daniel that he was love. You know, we can talk about this Bible in so many different ways. Daniel's visions and, and next week, if you want to read ahead, I'm likely not going to go into it all because it's so in detail and it's so precise. We can look at God's word as a history book. We can do that and we would be right because it's been right. You can look at this book and you can look at the gospel in a term of a legalistic fashion. Jesus paid the wages of sin and because of, uh, because of that, I'm set free. I get to go to heaven. But church, I want to tell you, this book, every chapter in this book, every book within the book, the gospel itself, it's not about legal terms. It's not about history. It's all about a four-letter word called love. Oh, church, I want you to know that every person, every person in this place this morning, every person listening online, every person listening to the podcast, every person is loved so very much. The gospel brings peace. The gospel brings hope. The gospel brings security. The gospel brings purpose. But if you focus just on this, on these, you miss the greatest thing. You miss love. I'm so thankful for the church's love, especially the love that y'all have shown me and Carissa over the last week. But I want to tell you, I'm so thankful for the Father's love. This Thanksgiving, I really encourage you. I really encourage you to focus on the Father's love.
You know about this love. If you come to church here very long, you know about it being here this morning. If you're saved, you saw the beautiful picture of baptism with Mason. But let me just ask you this morning. You know of his love for you. You know what he did. You know that he went to the old rugged cross. You know that he poured his blood out for you and he did it willingly. So let me just ask you this morning. God showed his love for us. And this, while we were yet sinners, he gave himself for us. God showed his love for you. How are you showing your love for him? We talk about thanksgiving as giving thanks. How are you giving thanks to him? Some of you are, are, are faithful tithers, and that's great. But let me tell you something. I just want to, the, the greatest way you can show thanksgiving to God I'll stand on this. The greatest way you can show thanksgiving to God is being obedient to God. Being obedient. Whether you're a young man like Mason or an old man like Daniel. Being obedient. Yes, Lord. Yes, I'm going to make a public profession of faith. I've been following you in the closet for a long time. But today, I'm going to let it known to the world because I feel your Holy Spirit pulling me to do so. Yes, Lord, I, I know Jesus was baptized. I saw Mason. I want to show the world what's happened on the inside. I want to show the world that I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm going to be baptized and I want the world to see it. Yes, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to join not this church, his church. I'm going to join your church. I'm going to serve your church. Oh, church, it would be just a great Thanksgiving today. If we could get out of the saying thanks and get into the giving thanks. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you realize and you're thankful that you have a God that hears your prayers on day one. I hope you realize that spiritual warfare is real real, and you're thankful you don't have to do spiritual warfare alone. And lastly, and most importantly, this Thanksgiving, I hope you realize how very much you were loved by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and by us at First Baptist Drop Wrong. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving.